Welcome to the CDH Conversations podcast. Today, I am joined by an associate at CDH, Malisela Latwaba. And Malisela assists us a lot to disciplinary inquiries. And today, we will be discussing the decriminalized approach, which has been the subject matter of a lot of judgments coming from the Labour Court recently. I'm Andy Pesena, the director in the team, and we hope that you get some valuable takeaways from today's brief discussion. So, Malisela, just take me through the criminalized versus decriminalized approach, your understanding, just a brief explanation to our listeners as to what's the difference. Thank you, Andy. I think one must understand, and if we look at case law going far back as Avril Elizabeth, the decriminalized approach to disciplinary inquiries has always been existent in that these processes are meant to be run with the least legal formalities. When one looks at a criminalized approach, we look at breaking down each and every element of the charge sheet and the charge itself. By way of example, we can talk about the offense of dishonesty or theft, and we break it down by saying unlawful, intentional, and so forth. That is more of a criminalized approach where we attack each and every aspect, so much so that the charge sheet in and of itself must be drafted with such detail so as to be accurate. When we look at a less decriminalized approach, we're looking at it from the perspective of the employee must be informed of the charges that he's required to meet and he must be able to respond there to. And a decriminalized approach affords parties to merely be heard and for the chairperson to deliver an outcome. So what I always find interesting in disciplinary inquiries that's criminalized is that the employers and employees often use wording you will see in a criminal trial. So they use things like pleading guilty or not guilty, charge sheets, charges, all of the wording that you would usually hear in court, which is not necessarily appropriate in the boardroom or in any employment place, really, because employees are not comfortable with those provisions. And I think it sets a level of formality, which is unnecessary. So the decriminalized approach practically is really to introduce an informal approach to discipline, but also to put everyone at ease. So for people to realize that The key elements are really that you must have an opportunity to respond to allegations that you understand. And I think, Malacela, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we're often seeing is that it's overcomplicated and we experience delays or technical points being taken in matters which should otherwise be quite straightforward. Has that been your experience as well? That has certainly been my experience, Andy, especially when legal practitioners are involved on both sides and tend to try to analyze each and every element of the charge. When one shifts the focus then to the employee, the employee often understands the case that he or she was required to meet. In my view, for specific levels of employees, employers should always consider the decriminalized or informal approach, and that's senior employees specifically. So in other words, those employees who are at a level at which if you put an allegation to them, they have the experience to understand the seriousness of what they're being told. And there should also be no need for them to call a host of witnesses to either rebut or support whatever they wish to prove. Have you come across any other instances, and I think some of these are also supported by case law, as to when it may be appropriate and when employers should in fact consider following the informal process instead? I think informal processes should certainly be followed where the parties agree that to the facts, essentially. By way of example, if an act of misconduct has been committed and it is admitted, and the employee and the employer are in agreement, in that case, they, no substantive evidence or substantial evidence needs to be led. 
mainly parties need to determine what is the appropriate sanction or punishment for the offence. And in that case, I would submit that written reps are certainly allowed because in that way, the parties fully ventilate their versions. Just to expand on the written reps comment, so written reps is a reference to written representations, which our courts have now accepted is also a an acceptable means by which to do disciplinary inquiries in some instances, because the courts have said that in some cases, the formal approach could lead to unbusiness-like results. So where you have common cause facts, where the misconduct is manifest or is not in dispute, then we usually encourage clients to follow the informal approach and to often consider to do their disciplinary inquiries by way of written representations. Not only does it shorten the process, but it also streamlines thoughts. So in other words, it's more focused. It avoids the possibility of bringing in irrelevant factors. And it means that you can use an external chairperson where required or internal by merely presenting them with the allegations and the response in writing in order for them to make a decision. So we are very much in support of the informal and the less formalistic approach, but we do understand that some employers have agreed or committed to following a formal approach in terms of their contract. However, that's not an entire prohibition to reconsidering that stance. So in conclusion, Malicela, what would be your tips for our listeners as to what to take into account in drafting or reviewing their disciplinary codes going forward? Going forward, I think that the codes must certainly be flexible so as to allow for both processes, informal and formal. You know, as long as the, the codes provide for the opportunity for employees to be heard and to, you know, cross-examine witnesses and ask questions, then the principles of law are essentially met without being too formalistic. And a more relaxed approach towards discipline will certainly assist the process in terms of resolving any issues in the workplace by way of a disciplinary inquiry. So hopefully what we've told you today would play front of mind in making a decision about discipline because we know that often employers may decide not to discipline employees because they feel the process in itself is overwhelming. We in fact we can encourage you today that the law is supporting an informal approach, simple approach and one that won't be onerous or take too much of your time. Thank you so much Malasela for your input today. Thank you so much Andy. The views and information expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily present those of the firm. All content is provided for general purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. We make no representations, warranties or guarantees, whether expressed or implied, that the content on our podcast is accurate, complete, up-to-date or reflects the current law. We accept no responsibility for any loss or damage, whether direct or consequential, arising from reliance on the information which is presented here.